Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble 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 were you there when they crucified my lord were you there when they nailed him to the tree to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Were you there to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Join and sing with us.
Amen. He is risen. And one of, yeah, let's try that one more time. Some of you got it. He is risen. All right. So Luke 24 says this. It says, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. The men asked them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen from the dead. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray together this morning. Father, as we gather this morning to celebrate this most glorious day for believers in Jesus Christ, we, we trust that you, God, would exalt your name in our presence. I trust, Lord, that through the songs that we sing and through the word that we hear, our hearts would be open to the glories and beauties of Christ. On Good Friday evening, Lord, we celebrated in a most solemn way, the cross of Christ. And Lord, this morning we thank you that because of the cross there is hope for every individual in this room in spite of how difficult their past may be, in spite of how great their failures may be. We all come this morning as sinners in need of a Savior. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are a beautiful Savior because of what happened on Friday. We thank you that Friday is followed by Sunday, the day of resurrection the day when hope is proclaimed not only for forgiveness from sin, but for the defeat of our greatest struggle, ultimately even death itself is declared dead through the resurrection of Christ. So Lord, as we come, we come from different places with different needs today. And we trust that by your spirit, you would touch hearts today. And Lord, particularly if there are individuals here, and I trust that that is the case, who have never come into a personal relationship with Christ. And Lord, I pray that the door of heaven to them today would swing open. And I pray that today they would come just as they are to trust in a beautiful, glorious Savior who forgives, sets free, liberates, and transforms lives. We trust that that would be evidenced in this service today for the glory of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's worship him together. Door. 
To the God who heals, we sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. As He hung up on that cross, then He rose up from that grave. My God still rolls us away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy.
Listen, our God is the only king forever. Our God, firm foundation. Our God, firm foundation. I rock the old solid ground. The nations rise and fall. Kingdoms once strong now shake. We trust, we trust forever in your name. The name of Jesus. We trust the name. We trust the name of Jesus. You are the only King forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only King forever. Forevermore, you are victorious. You are the only King forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the He's unmatched. Unmatched in all your wisdom, in love and justice you will reign, and every knee will bow. We bring. Trust the name. Oh, we trust the name of Jesus. You are the only King forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only King forever. Forevermore, you are victorious. You are the only King forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are. Lord, we lift you up high. We lift you up high, Lord. Only King forever. 
sing how great. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, and I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night and through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such balanced grace? The God of ages. He stepped down from glory. Stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. He took it all. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven, the King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah! And hallelujah!
If we just simply believe that the reason we are here is to glorify God, if we just simply believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and then was risen again three days later, in so doing, defeating death, defeating my death, and allowing a path of righteousness to your throne and to be with you forever. God, we thank you for Resurrection Sunday that we can revel and celebrate in your life, in your death, and then ultimately your resurrection. No one else has done such a thing. Nobody else has come back from the dead except by your hand. God, we thank you that you rose Jesus from the dead and he now reigns supreme forever and he did not die again but simply ascended into heaven and he lives now and he is with us here now by his spirit and one day he's coming back for us. God, we thank you for our salvation. We ask now as we hear your word that you would be glorified in this place. Open hearts, open eyes, open ears. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Uh, children, you can be dismissed for junior church. And for the rest of us, would you turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 11? John chapter 11. He is risen. Amen, amen, he is risen indeed. John chapter 11 is a jump off passage that we'll be using this morning. And I want to talk to you about some reasons why the resurrection is essential. I'm going to do that through the backdrop of two stories. Uh, one story that happened just a couple of weeks before Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. And it's his friend Lazarus who's died. And his sisters are calling for Jesus to come and do something to heal him. And then we're going to look at a story of a group of disciples right after the resurrection. So we're going to look just before the resurrection, and then we're going to look right after the resurrection. And what we're going to find is that Jesus is going to give you some sense of certainty. He is going to give you comfort, and then he's going to give you a challenge. These three things are really important. He wants to give you certainty of the truth of the fact that he is God, that he was going to die, he was going to rise, and he is going to stand victorious. That certainty is the one thing that they needed to hear during that time, and you need to hear it as well. But then it's also comfort. Comfort as we grieve and comfort as we go through trials and troubles and difficulties in life. To be able to hear that we have a resurrected Christ, a, a God who is alive today, should bring us great comfort in the midst of the trials that we go through certainty and comfort, but then there's a challenge. I want you to hear the challenge that he is going to lay. He laid it before Martha, the sister of Lazarus. He laid it before his disciples. He lays it before you here this morning. Now, as we're here this morning, I, I consider this, that as I look at the sanctuary filled, um, it's so good to have you here today, that there are probably four types of people that sit here in the sanctuary this morning. 
Now, the first type of person is probably sitting here in the sanctuary and saying that this whole thing is crazy, right? You actually believe that there was a man who lived and died and rose victoriously, and you're here because family members or friends or whatever it may be, and you're here respectfully, but you probably think this is crazy. And so I know that, and I welcome you. I'm so glad you're here with us today. There's a second person that probably sits here today and is contemptuous. I can't stand God. I'm so angry with you. You didn't answer the request I asked of you. I don't believe in you. But you're here as well because family members or friends have invited you to the sanctuary. And I so thank you for the fact that you're here and I I welcome you. So for some of you, you think it's crazy. For some of you, you're contemptuous. For some of you, you're confused. I've heard these stories, it just doesn't make sense to me. And you're confused about, well, does it even matter that Jesus rose from the dead? What does it matter that he is raised? And what does it matter that we celebrate on this day? He, he did some wonderful things. He said some wonderful things. And I'm okay with that. So some of you think it's crazy, we welcome you. Some of you think it's contemptuous, you have anger, we welcome you. For some of you, you think it's confusing, we welcome you. And for some of you, you're convinced that on that third day he rose from the dead. And you're committed your life to him, and we welcome you. So this morning, I pray that you would hear the Lord Jesus speak to you, words of certainty, number one, words of comfort, number two, and words of challenge, Look with me here in John chapter 11. I'll just give you a little bit of a backdrop here in verse 1. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, and the village of Mary and his sister Martha. It was Mary who, was anoint, who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother was Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Now, they knew the Lord Jesus Christ, and as you will find in the backdrop, as you go through the Gospels, you will find that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were friends of the Lord Jesus Christ. And oftentimes, when Jesus came into town, he would spend time in their home. And they had seen the Lord Jesus Christ. They heard his message. They had seen him. They loved him. They had a caring relationship with him. They loved him deeply. They had seen him have power over disease, over demons, over death. They had seen it already. So that was the man that they had seen, the God-man that they had seen, and that was one that they counted as a friend. So they reached out to him as a friend and said, your friend, the one that you love, is sick. Will you come? Now Jesus does something interesting. Verse 4, but when Jesus heard this, He said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and Mary, I'm sorry, Martha and her sister, Mary, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer. What? Kind of crazy, huh? Stays two days longer in the place where he was. Now, this is the miracle-working God, the God who has had power over disease, over demons, over death. He hears that his friend is sick, and he doesn't immediately go. He waits. He waits two days, not one, but two, two days to go. And then after that, verse 7, 
After this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were there, and they're seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone who walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light in this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. And after saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. So the disciples said, oh, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was talking about rest and sleep. Verse 14, then Jesus said plainly to them, Lazarus has died. And for your sakes, I am glad. Talk about crazy again. If you just stop there, I mean, Jesus Christ just said that his best friend has died. And he says, I am glad. Hold on. I'm glad that it was, I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And Thomas, who's called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. They're, they're knowing that the, the pressure is getting very heavy right now on Jesus. It, the pressure is coming. The Pharisees are coming against him. The religious leaders are coming against him, and they are seeking to kill him. But it's going to ramp up after what Jesus is going to do here. He's going to rise. He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. I want us to focus on what Jesus said to Mary. I want you to hear the certainty of what he says to Mary. And I want you to hear the comfort of what he says to Mary. And I want you to hear the challenge of what he says to Mary. Watch what he says in verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. It was only two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them, to comfort them concerning their brother. As we have a grief share program here, those that go through times of grief, Fran and Laura come alongside you and comfort you and want to be there to help and support you. Well, that's what these people were doing for Mary and Martha. So, verse 20, when Martha had heard Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, I almost wish I could understand the tone of this. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Have you ever thought of that? God, if you had done something, my brother, my spouse, my child, my father, or my friend would not have died. Maybe you've said those same things to Jesus. I don't know what kind of tone she said it in. I don't know if it was a contemptuous tone. I don't know if it was a frustrated tone. I don't know if it was just a tone of faith. If you were here, he would have lived. I'm not sure. I'm not going to read into it, but what I will say is this. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You can still hear the faith that's there in in Martha. She knew that even though she's looking at a grave and looking at a brother's tomb, she knew that Jesus had the power to raise him or fix him if he were here at the time. She just could not consume in her mind, she could not understand in her mind that Jesus could actually raise him from the dead, even though he had done that already, which is interesting to me. And Jesus said to, um, verse 22, but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Nice, nice words, right? 
And Martha heard that and said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last days. She is a faithful person. She, she knows the power of God. She knows that God has this infinite power. She knows that ultimately God is in control of time in the future. She knows that about this God. She says, I know in the final time you will raise my brother up. But here's the verse I want you to hold on to. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Certainty. I want you to hear this morning in the midst of the trials that you're going through, in the midst of the troubles, in the midst of the difficulties, I want you to hear, I am the resurrection and the life. You may know this if you're familiar with the book of John, but Jesus on seven occasions in the book of John used this phrase, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. I don't know if I caught up to number seven. I am. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd of the sheep. This is the fifth one. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Jesus is saying that I am who I am. It reminds you back to the Old Testament. If you're familiar back in the Old Testament, when, when Moses is standing there, he's saying, God, who am I supposed to tell to the Pharaoh who's coming, who's sending me? And he says, tell him that my name is I am who I am. I am the sovereign God. I am the supreme God. That's who Jesus is saying that he is. All these statements in the book of John, he is saying, I am the absolute sovereign God. I am the creator, the sustainer, the rightful end of all praise. That is who he's saying I am. And he's telling Martha with certainty, I am. I am the resurrection of life. I am the one who possesses divine authority. I am God in human flesh. I am sovereign over sin. I am sovereign over death. I am sovereign over judgment. I am sovereign over this world. I am sovereign over your body. I am sovereign over your soul. I am sovereign. I am the resurrection and the life. See, that's a word, the certainty that I need in the midst of the crazy times that we live in. In the midst of the crazy times that we live in, I need to know that there is someone that can raise this out of the mess and the mire and the confusion and the chaos, that there is a God who raises us up in the midst of this. See, when we come here to celebrate on Resurrection Sunday, we are celebrating one who could raise from the dead, that he's sovereign over salvation. He's sovereign over demons. He's sovereign over death. He's sovereign over disease. He is sovereign over all. He's even sovereign over our judgment. In John chapter 5, it says that Jesus will raise us up in the last day, and those who hear his voice, he will just speak and they will hear his voice and he will raise them, some to life, some to judgment, but he raises them. And what he says is this, I want you to know for certain that I am the resurrection and the life. And what does he mean by life here? It could be physical life. In a moment, he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, and Lazarus' body is going to come out of that tomb. It had been in the tomb for four days, and now it's going to come out of the tomb. It could be physical life. He is not only sovereign over physical life, but he's sovereign over spiritual life. He gives life. 
He enables those who were spiritually dead to be made spiritually alive. He awakens you again to the fact that there is a God that you can start to see and start to hear and start to believe. He awakens you. Not only does he give you physical life, not only does he give you spiritual life, but he also promises for those who trust in him eternal life. That you're going to die, every single one of us. I don't want to be morbid, but the fact is every person that I look at in this room is going to take their last breath. My birth was December the 6th. My death has already been established. It is going to happen someday today. It could be the last day of my life. I may have 50 more years of my life, but whatever it is, I have an expiration date. And that expiration date, I will stand before God. And I will stand before God in eternal life in Christ. But all of us have eternal life. All of us have life ultimately forever. The question is, will I will spend eternity with God in heaven, or I will spend eternity under his wrath, separated from him? And Jesus says, I am sovereign over that as well. I raise you up. I raise you up and you will trust in me or you will not. Jesus says that he gives you physical life. Jesus says I give you spiritual life. Jesus says there's eternal life. But Jesus also says that there is a life that goes even further. In John chapter 17, verse 3. I love this passage. It's the high priestly prayer. And Jesus said this, he's talking about uh, that God had given him the, the authority over flesh, eternal life to all he had given, and then verse 3, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus said the ultimate life is not that you have physical life, all of you have physical life, all of you are breathing and living here. It's not just that you have spiritual life, that you've been brought about from the dead. It's not even just that you have eternal life, but the life that he wants to give you is a life of relationship with God for all of eternity. That's just so mind-blowing to me, that God wants to connect with you if you want to be in him. So Jesus says, I'm going to usher you into the presence of God. I'm going to usher you into the fullness of God. I am going to usher you into dominion with God. And that I have dominion over death. I have dominion over sin. I have dominion over the future. And you can be with me and my Father for all of eternity. What a blessed level of certainty that you can have. Second, he he goes back, if you go back to the passage in Uh, John chapter 11, he gives some level of comfort to Mary. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he says this, here's the comfort. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So he starts by saying this, whoever, your brother, believed on me, and though he's dead, he's in that tomb, he shall live. Now that could just be physical. I mean, that just could be spiritual. It could be just the fact that This man died in Christ and now he is going to live again in eternity with Christ. It could be that. And what he's promising you and me is this. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is not just an empty faith. This is not just faith in faith. This is faith in a person. It's faith in a work. 
It's faith in the fact that God lived in the person and the work of Christ. He lived a life. He came here through an incarnation. He came here through a virgin birth. He lived every day perfectly and righteously for every single one who trusts in him. And then when he went to the cross, vicariously, he substituted himself for you, that the anger that God has for your personal sin, he placed on Christ, and that Christ absorbed the wrath of God and set you free if you're in Christ. And he's saying this, he's saying that whoever believes that and believes on me, even when you physically die, James, you will live in eternity with me. But then Jesus reverses it. Verse 26, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So if you live, if you've been born again, if you've been resurrected by God, and therefore you believe on God, you will never die. And of course, that can be dying physically, because all of us are going to die physically. What he is saying is this, you will never die spiritually. You will spend eternity with him. What a blessed comfort. That I'm before this tomb, in this tomb of my family member or friend, but I can know that that person knew Christ and that absent from the body, they are with Christ in eternity. Even if he raised Lazarus from the dead, eventually he's going to die again. See, Lazarus' raising was different than the raising of Christ. When Jesus Christ was raised, he was raised imperishable. He would never die again. When, when Lazarus was raised, he was going to die again. And all the other people in the Bible that were raised from the dead died again. But what Jesus is offering as comfort to them is this, that in the midst of all the chaos and all the confusion, I want you to know that if you believe in me, you can have life. And then what Jesus does is this. He goes from certainty to comfort to here's the challenge. Do you believe this? So I guess that's the question I have for you. And it's the question that Jesus had for his disciples. We'll see that in a moment. It's the question he had for Martha here. It's the question I ask you. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life? Do you truly believe that there is a Christ who lived? There is a Christ who died. There is a Christ who rose victoriously. And that he is right now in heaven. Do you believe? Because that's the essence of real life. Real life is not physical. Real life is not even spiritual. Real life is not even eternal life. Real life is knowing God. Do you know him? Hold your finger there and go with me to the Gospel of Luke. Just go back one book. And we're going to go to verse 20, chapter 24 in the Gospel of Luke. Now I said that Lazarus' death and resurrection is going to happen just a couple of weeks before Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Now we're going to go a little bit after Jesus' resurrection. I find it really interesting, these disciples. Mar Martha at least had a faith that, God, I know you could raise him. He had, she had a faith, even as her brother is in the tomb, I know that you will raise him in the final analysis. I actually know that if you were here, you could have healed him. The faith that Martha had in the midst of her grief and look at the faith or the doubt that the disciples had. In Luke chapter 24, verse 36, I want you to see that Jesus does exactly the same thing with the disciples that he does with Martha. He reappears to them in verse 36. And he says, as they were talking about these things, talking about the fact that they, there's an empty tomb, 
Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, peace to you. See, Jesus comes there and he's offering some level of comfort to them. And he's saying, peace to you. Jesus out of nowhere is now in the room. The Jesus that we just saw hanging on a cross two day, uh, three days prior. The, the body that was in the grave. And now he's standing before us alive. I, I, I can't believe my eyes. I can't believe that this is true. And Jesus reappears to them and then he reassures them. Watch what he says in verse 37. He says this. But they were startled, and they were frightened, and they thought that they were seeing a spirit. They started to panic in their hearts. They started to have fear and insecurity. This can't be real, which is so amazing, because they had seen him raise dead people before. They had seen him drive out demons before. They had seen him conquer disease before, but they still couldn't believe what they were seeing before their eyes. And what Jesus does is now gives them some level of certainty, some proof. Watch what he does. He says in verse 38, and he does, and he says, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me. See me. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you will see that I have. Some people believe that Jesus, when he rose from the dead, it was just spiritual. And there was no physical resurrection. This is very clear that Jesus is proving that I have a physical resurrection. Touch me. See me. Hear me. So Jesus gives him proof that look at the wounds in my hands. Look at the wounds in my feet, which is also amazing to me. That we're all going to get, I mean, because I got, I got a lot of broken things on my body. I can't wait to get a resurrection body, right? <laughs> I really can't. I was just talking to my father this morning. My back is killing me. My knees are killing me. I'm just not, I mean, I am, I could use a lot of new equipment, right? (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But Jesus keeps some of his old equipment on his resurrected body. The wounds in his hands and the wounds in his feet to remind you of what it costs to bring you to faith. So he gives them the proof of his wounds, and then he gives them the proof of his eating. Watch in verse 40. Uh, 40, he said this, he showed his hand and his feet, verse 41, and while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and he ate it before them. What kind of ghost has flesh and bones, and what kind of ghost eats fish? <laughs> Jesus is giving them a certainty, and he's saying, I want you to know for certain that I am alive. And then what he does is he does certainty as well. He goes back to the Old Testament, and he opens the Old Testament. He says, all these things that have happened in the Old Testament that were spoken about in the law and Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, that's just basically the whole Old Testament, he says, that was about me. He takes them on an Old Testament survey. If any of you have taken a class, Old Testament survey, he takes them on an Old Testament survey, Genesis all the way to Malachi. And he says, that whole Old Testament is about me. Amen. And then what he does is not only does he take them on an Old Testament survey, he opens their eyes to see, and he opens their minds and their hearts, verse, 20, uh, verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scripture, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed 
in his name to all nations beginning with Jerusalem. He, he gave them an Old Testament survey. He opened their minds and their hearts, and then he gave them an opportunity to serve. He says, you are my witnesses. Oh, I love this. And behold, I'm sending you the promise of the whole Father upon you. That's the Holy Spirit. But stay here in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Do you see it? That Jesus first gives them a level of certainty, and then he gives them comfort, and then he gives them a challenge. Just like he did with Martha, he is doing here with the disciples. Why is this Jesus' resurrection even necessary? Well, Jesus' resurrection is absolutely necessary because he said he was going to rise from the dead, and if he didn't, he's a liar. If any of you are familiar with C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis said that Jesus Christ was either a liar, a lunatic, or his Lord. See, I said earlier that some of you sit here and you are feeling, really thinking that this is crazy, and you're right. It's crazy if Jesus is not who he really says he is. He's either a liar, a deceiver of all time, because millions upon millions upon billions of people have believed him. You are sitting here this morning because you had some belief in him, and you are therefore crazy if he's a liar. Or Jesus is a lunatic. He's nuts. He has this Messiah complex. He actually thinks he's Messiah. He's not. Or he's Lord. And the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ is essential because Jesus claimed it would happen, and if it didn't happen, he is a liar or a lunatic. But if it did, he's Lord. Jesus Christ is not only showing that he is God, but Jesus Christ is showing that the satisfaction of what he said that he did on the cross, that God the Father accepted it. See, every single one of us, no matter how great your sin is, you could be saved if you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, but you will only be guaranteed that if Jesus' payment was accepted. And an essential of his resurrection is that God has been satisfied. In Romans 8.34, it says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who is raised and is at the right hand of God interceding for you. See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely essential because he said it was going to happen and therefore he is proving that he is God. It is absolutely essential so that you could be saved. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is absolutely essential because he says that he is the conqueror of death and he is the conqueror of demons. He is the conqueror of Satan that holds death in his hands. Jesus says, I am the conqueror. And see, I can have assurance in my death because Jesus Christ conquered death himself and he holds the power over those that hold the power of death. In Hebrews 2.14, it says, Since therefore the child should share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise took part in the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has power over death, that is, the devil. Jesus Christ Resurrection is essential because he proclaimed he was the son of God. It is essential if we are to be saved. It is essential if he is going to conquer death. It is essential that he is the representative of all who believe. He says that I represent you as the living one. 
In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 21, it says, For as Adam, one died, and that death has come to all men. But then it says, And Adam all died, but in Christ all shall be made alive. So we all have a problem. We're born under Adam. And what that means is this. Every single human being that I'm looking at here has been born with a nature of sin. You have been born under a level of condemnation and you're born with a contamination in your life. And God is a holy God and God cannot deal with the contamination or the condemnation that you have. And you need to figure out a way to deal with that. And what Christ did for you is this. He took your condemnation on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and then he comes into your life by his Holy Spirit to deal with your contamination so that when you die, you can go to heaven because you were made alive and holy in his sight. But if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, you don't have salvation and you can't have holiness. So Jesus Christ became our representative And he set us free. Jesus Christ had to rise from the dead so that we could have grace. In Ephesians, it says this, For you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Even you were dead in your trespasses. God made you alive together in Christ, for by grace you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Jesus had to be raised from the dead If he is God, Jesus had to be raised from the dead if you were going to be saved. Jesus had to be raised from the dead if you're ever going to have a future hope. Jesus had to be raised from the dead if you were ever going to be free of your guilt and condemnation. And Jesus had to be raised from the dead if I can and you can ever have hope that when you take your last breath, you're going to be with him. He gives you assurance of this. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says this, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits among all who've fallen asleep. All of us are going to die. Christ's resurrection is not simply coming back from the dead. Lazarus did that. Lazarus and a number of people in the Old Testament and New Testament experienced that. It's not raising him back from the dead never to die again because what was going to happen with Lazarus is that he was going to have a body that was going to weaken, that was going to age, and was going to eventually die. What Jesus is offering you is that I want to give you the first fruits. I become the first that comes through that is going to be raised from the dead to a life imperishable, a life that will never end is yours for the taking if you choose him you trust in him so I end with this some of you are sitting here today thinking this is pretty crazy these same disciples who had seen all of this in Jesus Peter, who had seen him raise people from the dead. Peter, who see him remove demons, conquer disease, is standing before a little girl in a fire the night that Christ was betrayed. He couldn't even get up the gumption to say, I believe in him. I'm one of his followers. That same Peter, a week later, is preaching a gospel message before thousands of people and 3,000 people are coming to faith in him. What changed in that man? 
these disciples who could not trust him and doubted him, when they see him before their very eyes and they touch him, are now willing to die for him. Something changed in him. Something changed in them. It was the fact that Christ came into their lives. You remember Chuck Colson, Watergate? Okay. I saw this quote from him. He says, I believe for certainty that the gospel is true. Eleven men in the Old Testament, I mean, in the Jesus' disciples, heard a story and they held on to it for decade after decade. One after another after another were going to go to a horrific death, but they held fast to their faith because the faith was in a risen Christ. In Watergate, 12 men had to try to keep Nixon's lie, and they couldn't keep it for three weeks. So maybe you're sitting here saying this is crazy. I know it sounds it. It's not. Some of you may have contempt in your heart. I understand. I I prayed to God for certain things and God has chosen to say no. And I have to trust him. Some of you are confused and I would encourage you to spend more time learning about what Christ did for you. And some of you are convinced and committed. Back in John chapter 11, when Jesus says, do you believe? I want you to hear the confession will end with this that Martha offered. Verse 27. Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming into the world. What a proclamation what a confession of hope yes lord i believe in spite of the fact that my brother's in a tomb right now yes lord i believe in spite of the fact that you chose not to raise my brother yes lord i believe in spite of the fact that you were not here to prevent my brother from being sick and dying yes lord i believe i believe i believe do you believe in the person the principles and the promises of god do you believe she says yes lord and then she gives the great confession of faith this is even before her brother's been raised he says she says i believe that you're the christ the messiah i believe that you are divine the son of god and i believe that you've come into the world hallelujah what a savior So I want you to know that no matter how great your sin is, Christ is greater. One hymn writer said that I am a great sinner, but Jesus is a great savior. So today, I want you to know for certainty that Jesus claims to be God. I want you to hear the comfort that he says, I want to give you through that. But then there's the challenge. Do you believe? Let's pray. Father, I, um, I think of the one that sits here this morning and is, thinks that some of this is crazy. And, and C.S. Lewis, uh, who I quoted earlier, was kind of the same way. And then what he did was he just went into the Bible and he spent time in the Bible and he, he went in there and he says, I'm going to look and I'm going to read this. 
I, I'm, I think it's crazy, but I'm going to read it. And he went in and he read it and he said, you know, God, you're either a liar, you're either a lunatic or you're Lord. And he came to the real reality that Christ is Lord. There's some of us in this room that have contempt for you, Lord. They have such pain and the brokenness of this life has led them to feel a brokenness of heart and they feel wayward. I pray that they would hear that your son says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. I pray that those that are contemptuous towards you, Lord, that you would do something in their heart to open their minds and their hearts and I pray that they'd be drawn to you. For those that are confused, Father, I pray that they would use opportunities that we have here at the chapel to learn more about you, more about your word, more about the gospel, more about your son. And for those of us that are convinced, Lord, help us to praise you. Help us to honor you. Help us to see you as majestic. And I pray that we would go out in the power of your Holy Spirit to tell the world about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand, join us in our closing song. Hallelujah, what a savior who breaks the power. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger. The king of glory, the king above all kings. Shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder. The King of glory, the King above all kings. Amazing grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings? Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King above all kings. There's only one who rules. The nations with truth and justice shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. Amazing grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. I sing for all that you've done for me.
Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Yes, you did. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You would lay down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for All that you've done for me this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You would lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for. All that you've done for me. Yes, Lord, we praise you, Lord. Give you glory, Lord, this morning. Yes, God, hear the praise of your people this morning. We give you all glory, all honor, God. God, we thank you that there is a purpose to this life. It's not just figure it out. Try your best. Be like somebody else. Go to a self-help group. Just stop doing that thing, and everything will be perfect and wonderful. That doesn't work. We've tried it. It only works, Lord, if the foundation is in you. Is in Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus, thank you for taking care of our greatest need, our sin need, the thing that separates us from you, the sin that we were born into this world with. Nobody teaches their kid to say no, but they all do it. And we're the same way, Lord. As we get older, as we grow, we say no. We say no to things around us. We, no, we say no to you, God. We resist, we run away, but you're constantly a God of loving care that is constantly seeking after us. I know there's some people here who don't know Jesus and don't know him as a personal savior and probably just came because it's the obligation to do so. But I would argue that that is God, you moving in their lives through people around them to come here and hear the gospel, God. So we ask that hearts would open, not so that the chapel can say, Look at all these people that came to faith on a Sunday but that, so that we can glorify you, Lord, and say, look at what our God did. Our mighty, sovereign, powerful God is saving lives and changing lives. 
God, we thank you this morning that we can praise you, we can sing to you, we can hear your word. God, give us a passion to go out and to speak to a broken and failing world. But there is true hope in this world. And it is in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. God, we thank you this morning that we can be together. We ask now you be with us as we go from this place. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a nice week.